and welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Michael Walsh. Michael is an associate professor and director of weed research at the University of Sydney, where he is responsible for leading weed research and development across Australia's northern grain cropping region. Michael completed his Bachelor's of Science at the University of Western Australia, his Master's of Science from La Trobe University, and a PhD from the University of Wyoming. For over two decades, he has focused on the development and adoption of harvest weed seed control systems. Hello, Michael. Hi, Drew. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, herbicide resistance is getting to be quite an issue here in the U.S., but um, I guess nothing compared to what you're experiencing there in Australia. I wonder if you can describe the situation with herbicide resistance in Australia for our listeners. Yeah, sure. It's uh, It's been quite a, a dramatic evolution of herbicide resistance, pretty much right across the Australian wheat belt. So, uh, 40 million hectares. Now it's difficult to find populations of annual ryegrass in particular that are susceptible to herbicides anymore. So the survey work that we've done over the last 10 to 15 years has shown that um, for annual ryegrass, our dominant weed, um, on average we're seeing 75 to 80% of populations, randomly collected populations that are resistant to one or more herbicides. Okay, that sounds fairly similar to our Italian ryegrass here, uh, where we're seeing a lot of resistance, not very many herbicides that still work anymore. So you've, you've kind of come up with this novel approach to this situation, uh, kind of a, a non-herbicidal approach. Can you tell us a little bit about what harvest weed seed control is all about? So harvest weed seed control, um, as the name suggests, Drew, is, is all about targeting weed seeds during the harvest operation. Uh, so we learnt, um, well, farmers actually learnt several years ago that uh, a lot of the weeds in our cropping systems retain their seeds at crop maturity. And that means that during the harvest operation, these weed seeds get collected by the harvester and farmers were observing that uh, these these weed seeds were coming out in the, primarily in the chaff fraction. So they would exit the harvester in the chaff fraction and... Uh, a consequence of that is that those weed seeds get spread across the field um, and it's almost like a, a reseeding operation and uh, uh, farmers were pretty quick to recognise that the impact of that was just more weeds more widely spread the following year. So they started playing around with um, systems and techniques that would intercept that process and, and do something about targeting that, that weed seed bearing chaff fraction in particular. Okay, so uh, what kinds of things can you do with that chaff fraction to uh, try to get on top of that situation? So the, the first things they, they started looking at were was actually a, a Canadian innovation um, called chaff carts. And in Canada, those carts were used to collect chaff for, for feed. Um, some Australian growers introduced them and used them to collect that chaff fraction primarily just to 
collect the weed seeds and then um, sometimes they would use it for, for stock feed but typically they would just burn that material to, to just make sure that they would um, destroy those, those weed seeds contained. So those, those first started being used back in the early 1990s um, and then there's been a, a progression of, of systems that have been developed and have evolved since that time and they all target the, the chaff fraction predominantly. Um, the next one that came along was was something called narrow windrow burning, um, and the idea was to concentrate material into narrow rows about uh, 50 centimetres wide behind the harvester um, with the idea of just setting that uh, material up as a fuel source for a subsequent burning operation. Um, after that, uh, there was the development of uh, a bale direct system, uh, which followed on from the chaff cart, where a grower who uh, had originally introduced the chaff carts decided that he wanted to try and make a, an economic return from the material that he was destroying. And so he developed a system where he's attached a baler that's uh, driven by the harvester, collects all the chaff and straw material, uh, and then those bales produced during the harvest operation are subsequently sold off-farm. And in the process, the, the weed seeds are, are removed as well. Um, the following system to de be developed um, was the Harrington Seed Destructor. Again, a, uh, a grower decided that uh, the burning and the collection of chaff material wasn't quite as efficient as they, they wanted it to be, so uh, he came up with a an approach to process the chaff material uh, during the harvest operation to effectively destroy the, the weed seeds. Um, and then finally, the uh, the latest systems that have evolved are things called chaff lining and chaff tram lining. The idea is uh, you concentrate just the chaff material into a narrow row, uh, either on the wheel tracks in a tram lining system or onto a in a, in a narrow row just directly behind the harvester. And the, and the process then is just to leave that material in place, uh, don't disturb it and let what the farmers refer to as a mulch effect occur where the, uh, the weed seeds are pretty much in a hostile environment and they don't tend to germinate and emerge um, at a very high frequency anyway. So a number of approaches to, to controlling these weeds. I know I became interested in what you're doing shortly after arriving uh, in Washington back in 2012. I read a couple of your papers, and I remember contacting you, and, and we've had a couple uh, projects together where I've tried to do some of this work here in in Washington. And, and uh, very shortly, I'm going to be coming over to spend some time with you and get a firsthand experience. I wonder if you can tell my uh, listeners what research we'll be doing when I'm over there and, and what you hope to, to be able to uh, teach me while I'm there, I guess. Ah, well, we've got uh, big plans for you, Drew. <laughs> we've got a lot of harvest work uh, organised, um, both through New South Wales and even in uh, Western Australia. Um, I guess a focus of it is looking at the... Um, implications for harvest we see control as the, the farming systems change. Um, there's a quite a, a movement at the moment for, with the adoption of, of stripper harvester fronts. Um, now, these have a quite different mechanism of action compared to the traditional 
draper or, or real fronts, which um, has implications in terms of the amount of weed seeds that are collected during harvest. So, so harvest weed seed control systems rely completely on the collection of weed seeds during harvest. So if these new stripper fronts um, don't collect weed seeds, then that um, makes the, uh, the use of harvest weed seed control systems a little redundant. So we've got some preliminary studies uh, were conducted last year and we found that um, there is uh, quite high levels of collection of annual ryegrass um, under certain conditions. The, uh, the stripper fronts do actually collect the, the seed heads, they pluck the seed, head, seed heads like they, they pluck the, the wheat heads. So that was really encouraging. Um, I should add the the, uh, the reason for the adoption of, of stripper fronts in Australian cropping systems is just the um, the need to have standing stubble rather than uh, chopped and spread stubble. Uh, we've learnt that standing stubble is much more friendly to the uh, or much more conducive to soil moisture conservation. The, um, the soil surface temperatures are cooler. Um, over summer, which means we have less evaporative losses, which subsequently means that we have more stored moisture for the, uh, the following crop. And so that's, as you're probably aware, a big driver for production in Australia is just the ability to conserve uh, low and variable rainfall as it, as it falls um, is key to successful cropping. So in terms of uh, what we're going to be doing this summer, um, we're going to be looking at other weed species. Um, wild radish will be a, a focus, a brassica weed. Um, it's got pods that we think um, the stripper fronts may not actually collect those, those pods. Uh, we know that the stripper fronts are not particularly effective on canola. There's lots of seed loss and we suspect that may be the case for wild radish, which is our, our second most problematic weed in Australian cropping. And we'll, we'll test other species as well, such as brown grass, barley grass and in um, wild oats as well. I, th I think it will be interesting to see how the system works across a variety of of systems because here in Washington we have quite a variety. We have the very dry wheat fallow area and then when you get to the Palouse it's actually um, some of the most productive wheat country in the world with very high residue levels, uh, very high wheat production and seeing whether we can get this system to work across that wide variation will be very interesting and how you test that will be very interesting to me um, because I've been told and I, I think I agree with this that herbicides are probably not the solution to herbicide resistance. It's going to take creative thinking uh, like you've shown uh, in Australia if we're going to get on top of this uh, very complicated problem. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, herbicides are not the solution, but they are part of the answer. Um, and we do need to do things around herbicides. Uh, to support them uh, and harvest weed seed control, we like to refer to it as being the, the last opportunity to impose a, a weed control at, during the growing season. Um, it's just that last chance before the, the weed seeds go into the seed bank. Um, so yeah, we do we do need to do something at the end of the year, and the harvest has created that that opportunity. And uh, yeah, it, part of what we're doing now is to make sure that we do retain that opportunity as the uh, as the harvesting or cropping systems continue to progress and evolve. 
Yeah, so I guess it's a, a, an opportunity we've missed in the past, and hopefully we can add it to our repertoire of of tools to use for harvest weed seed control. I'm, I'm really looking forward to my trip, and I hope uh, towards the end of the trip, or maybe when I get back, we can visit again a little bit, and you can uh, explain to my listeners um, what we did, what we learned, and uh, whether I'm any kind of student or not. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it should be good fun too, Jerry. Well, uh, it'll not, not only be a uh, educational experience, it'll be uh, it'll be hard, hot, dusty work as you always at harvest time. But uh, yeah, it'll be good fun. Very good. Well, Michael, I really appreciate you uh, being my first uh, international guest on the WSU Wheat Bee Podcast, and I hope to have you on again. Thank you very much. No my pleasure, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review while you're there. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also reach out on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.